providing some protection. Now, if Ferrero misses, it might provide an opportunity for BC. Well, they, yeah, they have to cover. And up, and he's missed, so we will get a return here from Grand Ryan Langford. Look out! Look out! Ferrero's trying to slow him up. Langford tight wraps it, and he's gone. Ryan Langford, another return. Touchdown, and BC does have some light. Restore the Roar is a podcast hosted by Michael Ball and features Lions broadcaster and former quarterback Julio Caravana. Each week, this duo will tackle issues involving the BC Lions and the CFL. In each installment, they'll also highlight a player, coach, or builder at the amateur level in the province and take a trip down memory lane in the Lions Legends segment. Now, here's Ballsy. And this is the first quarter of Restore the Roar. Thanks for uh, checking us out. Remember to share this podcast. Tell all your football friends, especially in BC, about our venture to try to promote the game of football in British Columbia and give the Lions the publicity that they deserve. All right, Julio, installment number three, and let's start by talking about some good radio news. Looks like we found a home for the BC Lions on the radio, which is good. Yeah, yeah, I know. Great news uh, today. Uh, Chorus uh, Entertainment is uh, gonna is going to bring on the Lions. The games are going to be on AM seven thirty here uh, in this market. So, uh, yeah, I know it's exciting news. You know, it's been kind of been up in the air there for a while, but uh, I know lots of stuff has been happening uh, behind the scenes. So, yeah, but nice that uh, we've got the commitment, and uh, it's just going to be nice to get back to doing some football. Yeah, for sure. It's great to uh, spread the word across BC. Okay, so you're a fireman. We'll start with the fires in BC. Terrible no. situation in Lytton. Um, our thoughts and prayers go to the families and everybody affected by that. Lions are used to heat and kind of wildfire activity in, in Kamloops, so that shouldn't be an issue at training camp this year, should it? Well, yeah, no, I, you mean, yeah, by the way, yes, I agree with you. Our, our thoughts and prayers go to all the families. Uh, man, oh man, this time of the year in BC over the last few years has been devastating with the amount of uh, uh, wildfires. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, I don't often say this here, but uh, let's hope for some rain and get some, some cooler temperatures so that we can get all that stuff under control. Now, having said that, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, where the Lions are going to hold their training camp in Kamloops, uh, that is an area right now that is, has got some activity around it. Um, and we all know how devastating that, uh, you know, I mean, how, you know, how quickly it can move and how the air quality and all those kinds of things. So let's hope that the Lions, who moved everything up there, who've got players up there right now in quarantine um, for a week, uh, are able to get on the field um, because that stuff can change very, very quickly. And, and, and let's hope it gets better so that they can get on the field and not have to worry about that stuff. Hey, let me ask you, you're a fireman. You might know the answer to this. I know you're not a doctor, but uh, how, how does uh, how does that type of smoke affect somebody's breathing and lungs? Oh, well, you mean like like a lot of like a lot of things, it, it affects people differently, right? Um, there's some people that have no effect. There's other people that, you know, ha- have, uh, you know, heart and lung issues that have uh, allergy issues that have a lot of things that, that, that can affect, um, you know, the way that they feel. And, you know, anytime you have that kind of, that kind of smoke in the air, it, it's not good to inhale that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, that, that whole area is going to be, you know, under close eye. And, and if it starts to get, you know, bad, they're going to, they're not going to be able to practice. I mean, that's just going to be the reality. They're 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 just they're going to be risking too much uh, of the player's safety uh, to get them out on the field if if the conditions are such that 
the air quality is just not good enough. Normally you'd be saying, okay, not that big a deal, but when you've not played football for 17 months, let's hope yeah. there, there are no more delays for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the other part of it too, right? You want to make sure to get them on the on the field finally, right? They've been waiting long enough. Yeah, so I got a couple of pictures privately from some riders staying uh, in their dorm setup for this week, and uh, I can't imagine a 300-pound lineman sleeping on a bed like that. It's basically, <laughs> it, honestly, it's basically a glorified jail cell. They get to go out yes. for two 15-minute walks. There are a ton of restrictions in the first six weeks. Let's reiterate this. These guys really love the game of football to play, and I can see now after looking at those pictures why a guy like Brandon Labatt would say, nope, I'm out. I'm camping. If you need me yeah. later if you need me later in the season, maybe. So we really have to reiterate, Julio, just um, just kind of this. I know they're professional players, and they're playing no, a kid's yeah. game, but they're making a lot of sacrifices. Yeah, but the, the other thing, too, the other, the other part of this is they're just like you and I. Right. Just think about how you would react or how I would react. Like, I mean, I can just, you know, just thinking about the process, about being up there, like you said, for a week, um, being away from home. And, you know, some of these guys, obviously, they have families and wives and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, for a lot of them, you're, you're in a country you've never been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you say, the restrictions. Um, and it's going to be a long time. Like, we're talking, these guys are going to be up there for an entire month. This isn't two weeks and three days, and then we're traveling back to Vancouver where we're going to break camp. We're talking about an entire month. So, you know, it's, it's going to really weigh heavy on some of these guys and mentally. So that's why I think it's going to be so critical for all the teams to have established a plan with not only their coaching staff, but their medical people, their training staff, that is going to be something, a plan that they can come up with that is going to one, be conducive to bringing out the best in their football abilities, but also from a mental health standpoint and from a health standpoint, making sure they don't drive these guys into the ground and give them the proper breaks that they need and create some atmosphere where you can take your mind off the game and, and the practices and just get a mental break because it is going to be a grind. It is really going to be a grind for these guys. And um, and, and, you know, these guys are, these guys are battling for livelihoods, right? You got to remember yeah. that too. This is, you mean, these guys rely on these checks, right? They got families to feed. They've got, you know, uh, the kids that are, that, you know, that are waiting at home, um, for their dads, right? Like it's, 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 it's a very, very complex, uh, scenario. Um, and I'm going to tell you the teams that are able to handle that, that have a real plan in place for, for dealing with all this stuff are going to be the teams that are going to you know, are going to be successful because if you don't manage it or be aware of it and have a plan for it, then you're you're gonna you're gonna have disaster in front of you. So, are you and your broadcast partner gonna have a fine jar in the booth for calling him Mike Riley instead of Michael Riley? He's changing, yeah. he's changing yeah. his name as a tribute to his mom who just passed yeah. away. And uh, hey, yeah. I thought it might be uh, good for you and your broadcast partner to yeah. give some money to charity every time you call him Mike yeah. Riley. Well, usually what we do, Moj and I usually put the. Uh, chicken wings on the line right but that's not going to be a good option for us because we'll be a thousand pounds each by the time this thing's done so um yeah no you're right um you know uh, mike wants to be called michael in, in tribute to his mom who who he lost uh um in may in march excuse me so um yeah we're going to do our best to to do that I, hey I, I won't lie there's going to be some slip-ups here and there but uh um, it's just something that we're going to get used to. Okay, Nathan Rourke is on this installment of Restore the Roar. Really good, yeah. really good kid. Uh, looking forward to uh, how he does. Now, I want you to finish the sentence for me, okay? 
in five years, Nathan Rourke will be? <laughs> wow. Um, I hope he's wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that is, a, that is a very, very good question. That's tough. Um, and I, cause I, I, you know, I mean, from what I've seen in college, you know, I, I, I love his skill set and, and what he brings to the table, but you know, ballsy, so, so, it's, it's so already, hard. Hey buddy, it's already a run on sentence. You've already yeah, created know, a run on sentence. Um, uh, um, a solid backup. Okay. Okay. Like, will he be a Julio Caravata where he might get yep, in and get some be, meaningful snaps? It, it, I, I hope it's way more than Julio Caravata, but, um, I, I see him as a, a very solid reliable backup who can possibly start for you if 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 need be okay good. i know that's more than that's more than probably i'm allowed but that's what i'm going to give you <laughs> good man i like that okay speaking of quarterbacks let's rank the starting quarterbacks in the cfl now they all should be healthy coming in they've had 18 months off give me one i've got 10 quarterbacks listed i know they're only nine starters but i got 10 because hamilton could have two so here we go yeah. so here we go go ahead give me your list I'm going to give you my uh, – how about I give you my top four and I'll get your top four. Okay, go. First. Okay, go. Okay, so I'm going Bo. Mm-hmm. I'm going Michael. Mm-hmm. Riley. I'm going Trevor Harris mm-hmm. and Cody Fajardo. That's exactly the four that I took in order. Wow. Yeah, because – Wow, really? Because hey, – because tell co- everybody, too. Yeah. We didn't talk about this. No, no. That's why we're – ta- you, you texted me and said, hey, listen, we're ranking quarterbacks today. Yeah. And I said, okay, no problem. So that's where we are. That's good. I like well, that. Well, and here's uh, – Bo Levi Mitchell should be healthy, and you can't argue with Bo Levi Mitchell. He's a stud. No, and and he's got ears on Riley, and he probably has a better offensive line, although I think BC might be better there. Uh, my Michael, the, yeah. Michael, Michael Riley, if they can keep him up, he'll be great. Uh, Trevor Harris with Elizondo, I like that setup there. They've got a great receiving core. And to be honest, I love Cody Fajardo. But the thing for me in 2020 here in Saskatchewan was I wanted to see I wanted to see if it was a mirage or if it yeah. was the real <laughs> deal. That's what I was okay, waiting on. So, listen, I've got where I've got Cody in my notes, I've got like uh, arrows going from one spot up and one spot down because behind him, yeah. I've got Masoli. Okay, I got Kalaros at five. You got Masoli. Okay, I got I got Masoli, and 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 you're and you're right. Like it, with with Fajardo, and I love Cody because I mean, we had him here for a year, and I think he's a fantastic kid. Mm-hmm. Is that you? You know, what I mean, there's pressure on him now. You mean before you think about they got a they got a steal of a deal on him mm-hmm. to come in, and nobody thought that he was going to be the starter. All of a sudden, he, he gets put in there, and he has a year that he has. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a big contract. All of a sudden, now there's more pressure. He probably plays in the in the one place in this country where you're going to have all eyes on you, and it is a it is a pressure pressure place to play. And and a demanding offensive coordinator in Jason Moss. Yeah, there you go. It's exactly right. So that whole all that dynamic now plays into it, right? So. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he, he, he's, you're, you're right. You mean his, the body of work that we've seen up to this point, fantastic. So you, I mean, there's no denying that. So you got, got to, you got to put it together, right? You got Masoli at five. Who do you got at six? Yeah. Caleros. Okay. So I have, I have Masoli at six and, and Caleros at five. So that's good. Who do you got okay, at seven? Pretty good. Who do you got at seven? Nichols. That's who I had. Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, man. It's, I, honestly, we didn't talk before. Okay. No, we didn't. Who do you got at eight? Eight. eight. Adams. Yeah, that's who I have. Adams Jr. Then it, yeah, then and then it, Arbuckle. Okay. 
I put Arbuckle ten. I got Dane Evans at nine because okay. I think Dane okay, Evans. I would I would have done that. I would have done that had I put ten, but I only put nine. Yeah, because so, and the re- and the reason I did it is we know what Dane Evans is. He showed us. We don't really yeah. know what Arbuckle is. Yeah, yeah, that's another guy that's going to be under a lot of pressure too, right? Like that's in a big market. Um, yeah, that's 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 you know you're not a you're not a you know a nobody from nowhere anymore, right? You you've all of a sudden now you got a target on your back and. It'll be interesting to see how that all uh, ends up playing out. Okay, so uh, before we wrap up this part here, uh, quarter number one in Restore the Roar, special teams for the BC Lions. You've got uh, three kickers and punters listed on the roster. Uh, you got that uh, Flintoft guy from UCLA. You got yeah. uh, Jake Ford, the global guy from uh, that Baptist. Australia. Yeah, yeah, he's a Baptist uh, university guy in Arkansas. He played. And yeah. then you got uh, the, the Japanese kicker. Yes. Yamasaki. So that's yes. that's very interesting what they're going to do with the kicking game because we well, we always say it's a third of the game, but a lot of coaches forget that it's a third of the game. Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, that, that to me is like one of the biggest question marks that this team yeah. is facing. Everyone talks about, you know, the defensive line, offensive line, this, that. I mean, that's a, that's a massive, massive hole right now for the BC Lions because you've got three unproven guys there. And you're right, the kicking – part of this game is um is massive and you know if if you have a guy who can change the game um from that spot uh it makes a big difference right and we we've all seen you know medlock for example his ability to not only kick field goals but like you know to be able to position punts and, and put the ball in certain places right it's Kicking is not just about kicking the ball away, especially when it comes to punting now, because the the, the specialists and returners are so good that you know the, the the special teams coordinators want that ball kicked into corners. They want it angled away from people. So it's not just like kicking down in the states where you know you can kick away and um, you know just try to kick it as far as you can. That, that just doesn't work here, right? You gotta. Mm-hmm. It's about positioning the football and placing it in spots and. Um, sometimes if you kick for you know a 55 yard average without putting it in certain certain spots, that can hurt you more than it can help you. Yeah, for sure. On the other side of things, though, you talk about the return game, uh, Mr. Chris Rainey, and now an, an addition of Lucky Whitehead if he makes the team, uh, that'll help the team out. Ebola Combo has always been a good special teams guy. Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 actually I'm looking forward to that battle because I will say I think. There's a kid that they, um, I, I watched the, you know, they've got a bunch of guys coming, obviously, and it's, yeah. there's so many coming, but his name is Jimmy Robinson Jr. Um, and I think he went to Bethune Cookman. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, I want to say he's like about five six five seven but typical kind of like a jitterbug, yeah. fast, 4-3 kind of guy. Um, and watching him return kicks in college, and I know it's going to be different, but he's got that kind of, you know, what we've seen here before. Like a Steph you know, Logan those, type of guy? Yeah, those kinds of guys. Jimmy DeJet, that, that, kind of, that, that kind of explosiveness and speed. And so, you know, I mean, I, I honestly think, too, with that position, like, so special teams for me is going to be, uh, you know, Lucky Whitehead, yes. But Rainey, you know, Rainey has, has been around a while, right? And yeah. I don't know if Chris has got that same kind of explosiveness that he had you know, a few years back. And I'm, I'm going to predict right now, I think that he's going to get pushed and pushed hard, um, you know, to stay on that roster because uh, they've got some young kids. I think that, that might, uh, that might be able to push him a little bit. And and here's the other thing too, before we, we leave all this is that it's one of the things that you, we talk about the lions, we talk about the offensive line and, and the defensive line and they're redoing this and blah, 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 blah. You know, the one thing that this team needs to be able to do, which they haven't done 
And, you know, with Ryan Rigmadden, their, their head of U.S. scouting, and, and Neil McAvoy and Rich Campbell, now co-general uh, manager, they need to find the next Brian Burnham. They need to find the next G-Roy and Cam Wake. And those, this, this team has not done a good enough job over the last couple of years of finding new, exciting talent. What they've done is gone out and tried to get other teams free agents um, and, and, you know, rely on someone's reputation on another team, bringing them here and probably overpaying them to fill holes. And they need to go out and find some players. That's what they need to do. And they've got a lot of young, exciting guys that they hope are, are going to be difference makers and, and be the next future stars of this league. Well, we'll see if this Robinson kid gets on the radar and, and what he looks yeah, like. Yeah, I'm excited to see a guy like that, right? I'm, mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of them, right? But there's he he's one that I just saw on film, and I was like, man, oh, man, this guy's he's quick. And, and the other part of his game is that he – you know, he's running back as well, right? So they can run him out of the backfield. He's one of those real kind of like a quick screen mm-hmm. kind of guy that you can get him out in the open field and he can make some people miss. So, you know, he's one of the guys that I've seen on film up to this point. It looks pretty it looks pretty impressive. Thanks, Julio. I really appreciate this. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, buddy. I look forward to next week already. Mickey D's is in the best place to lose weight for the summer so you go for a run. Just you and your sneakers on a long road Try to convince yourself this'll be fun You turn your first corner and out of nowhere Looks like a new donut shop has popped up Put your hands on the window and all you can say is This is gonna be harder than I thought Oh, you know you want it bad Licking your lips and freaking out everybody Come on now, why do you need this to be happy? Come on, just breathe, say hey Let's not think too much It's just one donut and you only live once YOLO till the day I die Say YOLO till the day I die mm-hmm. Just how out of shape are you? Look in the mirror, do you like the view? Even though you know what to do You continue to ruin your body And every night it's like falling into A pit of darkness and healthy food Every single day you find something brand new Just how out of shape are you? Are you, are you, are you? I really hate my body Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I'm hungry I really hate my body Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I'm hungry I really hate my body Every single day you eat some new junk food Just how out of shape are you? And this is the second quarter of Restore the Roar. Thanks for uh, checking us out. We really appreciate it. Make sure you tell your friends and family about this little venture inside the Growing the Game with Ballsy podcast as we try to give more promotion to the sport of football in BC, in particular the Lions, but we're not forgetting about the grassroots players, coaches, and builders as well. We'll get to uh, one of those amateur players in a bit. But first, let's hear from another up-and-comer, a guy that was picked by the BC Lions, the highest-drafted quarterback Canadian quarterback since Jesse Palmer way back in the early 2000s. It's time to catch up with the Ontario product and Lions draft pick quarterback Nathan Rourke. Nathan, it's been a long time since you've been drafted. You haven't been in camp with the Lions yet. How has this long off season been for you, Nathan? Yeah, well, it's definitely been uh, 
felt extra long. So uh, I'm really, really excited to be able to finally have a season to be looking forward to and, and camp coming up here. Yeah, it's just been a long time coming and, and finally to have a little bit of certainty, you know, in terms of the season is, is really good to have. And I think we're all excited for it. I've asked a lot of coaches and players is how did you stay sharp mentally and physically during this time when maybe gyms were closed and you couldn't do your regular uh, workout routine and haven't played football in a while? Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky. I, I met a lot of uh, some people, and when I was in Ontario, I was met some CFO guys, and, and was able to get uh, create some connections there, and just continue to throw and continue to stay ready if the season was going to happen. And was able to connect also with some gym uh, owners, and, and they were gracious enough to let me work out uh, even when um, even when the lockdown was going on. So I, I was I was very fortunate in that regard, and, and uh, able to take advantage of um, unfortunate circumstances. If you don't mind me asking, in terms of CFL guys or pros, who did you work out with? Were there a couple of names fans might recognize? Yeah, I was uh, I was working out in Ontario. I was working with um, uh, Alex Charette. He, he played with the Edmonton Eskimos and then the Toronto Argonauts most recently. And then when I was in Vancouver, I was I was uh, working out with uh, Shy Ross, who, works, who plays for Edmonton as well. Those are the two main guys that I think I spent the most time with going to be an interesting training camp for you and for uh, rookies because there's two draft classes coming in here with every CFL team and you're playing obviously the uh, most important position on the team quarterback. Has this offseason been good for you to digest what the BC Lions are going to try to do offensively? You get a little more time to study the playbook. Is that kind of maybe a silver lining because you're going to have to hit the ground running, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the extra time has been been very beneficial for a young guy like myself who's had another of months to, to get into the film and kind of understand the game. You know, I have played the Canadian game before, but it has been uh, a couple of years since I've, I've played it, and so obviously there's some nuances with the, the pro game and, and the pro system as well, so that has uh, been great for me, and then um, you know, leading up into last year where they had the proposed season, um, I was able to, to spend time with the offensive coordinator and, and learn uh, a whole bunch, and we've been meeting for a long time in preparation for the season potentially last year and then obviously this one and and so the 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 longer meeting times has definitely been great for me and so heading into camp this won't be the first time that I've 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 seen the stuff that we're going to install and so I think that's going to be beneficial in the long run for myself. So just to reset you were went to school at Holy Trinity Catholic Secondary School in Oakville for three years then you went to uh, Alabama for your senior season and then you were uh, at uh, you know down south playing uh, football there at Ohio and uh, went to three straight bowl games just tell me about that whole whirlwind uh, going from Canada to the U.S. for your uh, you know amateur and collegiate career. Yeah, it was certainly um, a little bit of a of a unique uh, path. So we, I was just trying to do everything that I could to to play at the highest level, and and that had been a dream of mine for a long time. And and uh, there was a lot of instances in in my uh, in my kind of journey that people were telling me that I couldn't do it, and I was just looking for um, the. I was just looking for ways to be able to continue to play and show people that I could. So uh, yeah, that's how I ended up going to all those places, and it was, each experience was really. Great, learned a lot of different things from uh, each experience, and um, and uh, I think it's I think it's good to be able to go and play for different like numerous uh, teams and to be the new guy and to have to learn about a system, learn about a a, um, a club, or learn about a team, and come in and, and become a leader. And I think that's going to be um, it's going to help me in the long run when you know in the CFL there's so much so much turnover, and so you never know where you're going to be in the next couple of years. And and uh, so I'm looking forward to. 
to again, obviously playing football again, but but being with the team and and learning from some some of the older guys that are on the squad right now. Speaking of leading, you led your team to three straight bowl victories: 2017 Bahamas Bowl, the 2018 Frisco Bowl, and the 2020 famous Idaho Potato Bowl. What do you get for gift bags when you go to those bowls? Like, do you get potatoes at the Potato Bowl? Like, what do you get? get like, <laughs> what kind of cool things do you pick up at these bowl games? Yeah, they they do a really good job. Usually, they're um, it depends on what the sponsors are of the of the bowl. So each each game was really unique. Um, it'd be a little bit themed to where we were, whether it was uh, the Bahamas, Texas, or or in Idaho. But yeah, the the gifts are are, are awesome, and 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 so you get like a, you know a bunch of electronics. I usually, get my Christmas shopping done that way. <laughs> um, but the um, <laughs> but the um. The best part is probably just the the experience of just being in those cities and and uh, they they the people who put the bowl on do a really good job of of uh, really showing you the city and allowing you to really be immersed in in their culture and 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 um, give you a really good um, experience. So that's what that's the best part and um, the fact that you get to be there for a week was was really cool. And so you know when we were able to do three um, and just be able to to be a part of that experience was awesome. But the fact that we were able to win three. I'm really proud of and, and really fortunate to be a part of that. So you're a two-time winner, speaking of winning, of the John Cornish Trophy as the top Canadian football player in the NCAA, the only two-time winner. You know, that's a nice thing to put on your uh, trophy mantle when it's all said and done. Uh, how proud are you of that achievement? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever have a chance to have it on my mantle. I remember when I just got the, the trophy and being there in Hamilton and, and uh, receiving that award for the second time. It, the, the trophy is very, very heavy. So it, it's like extremely heavy. I, I, they had multiple people had to lift it up. So I don't think that's ever coming home with me at any time soon. You know, it's interesting because in 2017, the award, um, there wasn't many people that were going up for it. I think they had to look very, you know, very hard to find people to be finalists. And so obviously still a huge honor, but um, as the years progressed, you know, in 20, in 2019, my senior year, my last year, I didn't win it. Um, but we had some tremendous, tremendous uh, players who were who were finalists, and and to be mentioned in the same name, uh, the same sentence, and same breath as, as some of the guys that won it. Obviously, Chuba who ended up winning it, but mm-hmm. those guys are going to have some illustrious careers in the NFL. And so, um, I'm just really proud for the way that. Um, to be a part of the way that um, Canadian football has progressed in the NCAA, and I'm um, hoping that it's continuing to uh, to grow in the future. How proud are you to be a Canadian quarterback in the Canadian Football League? I ask guys this. Some guys just want to be known as a quarterback. Some guys are very proud to be Canadian quarterbacks. We haven't had a Canadian superstar quarterback since uh, Russ Jackson of the 60s. The guy that does this installment with me, Julio Caravada, obviously a broadcaster for the Lions, but was a quarterback for eight seasons in the CFL and was the backup, so he did get some meaningful playing time. Do you just want to be looked at as a quarterback, or are you proud to be a Canadian quarterback and maybe be striving to be that guy that can be the shining light because we talk about the CFL and its struggles and everything like that Nathan I've always said if you could ever have a guy like Nathan Rourke or maybe an Adam Sanagra down east in Montreal a bilingual guy in that city become the quarterback of that team can you imagine the stardom and and how many kids might get turned on to the sport how do you feel about all that yeah, I think it's definitely there's potential to, to to do that. I think that you know, I think that um, football is a sport that I think definitely has popularity within this country. And um, you know, I'm driving down the street and you know to a workout or whatnot, and I see kids throwing the football in the park all the time. And so it's not like it's it's just something that 
um, that people have no interest in, but I definitely feel like the more Canadians are and, and you know, we'll continue to grow it. And, and I think that's always a good thing. But, you know, I've, I've been in the States. I've, I've lived in the States for the past, you know, I, you know, before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, I was living in the States for five years. And, and um, a lot of times that's what stood out about my about me was the fact that I was from Canada. I was a little bit different from the guys that were there. And so it's been something that's been attached to who I am and uh, for a long time. And I, I definitely am very proud of that. I understand that there's been not a lot of success from Canadian quarterbacks and in, in the CFL for whatever reason. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, if I can be a little bit of a, a part to be able to push Canadian, uh, Canadian quarterbacks to be, to mean something, whether it's in the ratio or, um, or otherwise, um, I, I'd be very happy to do so. Um, you know, I, I don't obviously want any special treatment, um, but I, I do just want to be able to show that, um, that you know, it's a Canadian game and, and the CFO, and we're all really proud of that, and I'd love to be able to contribute to push that forward. Seem like a really well-spoken man, which you need to be at the quarterback spot. That's well put. But can I just ask one more question as it relates to that? Do you so so you're proud of it, and I think you should be proud of it. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that you are successful. I, I I'm skeptical that Canadians get a fair shot at that spot, and and by that I mean I feel like Canadians at the quarterback spot have to prove they can play, where Americans get many chances to prove they can't play. You know where I'm going with that? Like it's almost like your birth certificate works against you because they, in some coaches' eyes, it's like oh he's. He's Canadian. So I guess in that sense, it's like maybe I just want to be considered a quarterback and not a Canadian. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. And, you know, I, I guess I just have some lack of experience in that, in that regard. I have certainly heard the stories about that. And, um, but, I'm, you know, in a couple, couple weeks I'll be able to understand if that's really true or not. If that, if that is the case, then that's really unfortunate. Um, you know, that's, you know, but and then at, at that point, I think you just want to be able to say, hey, like I'm a quarterback, let's put the player in the field. But mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do everything that I can to show them that I can play and that playing me and, and, and helping me to grow is, is not only the not, is not only the best thing for the team, but it can be good for the community as well. And so, um, But I think it starts with playing and showing that you're um, that I'm I'm willing to learn and, and willing to develop and, and can help the team on the field when I'm on the field and because and, um, that's what's going to be it's going to it's going to it's going to convince them to be able to continue to trust in me and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think we'll see. <laughs> I hope not. You probably face that in the states though when you first broke on the scene, right? This is a guy's a Canadian. How can he be that good? They, they play hockey. How can he be a quarterback? Right? You probably face some of that already. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I certainly felt like there's been some instances in my life where I've 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 been slighted. I've, I've gotten the short end of the stick. I, you know, I, I wasn't. You know, you know, COVID certainly ruined chances for a lot of um, people to get or, or NFL prospects to get uh, mini camp invites, and I didn't get a chance to go, even though I probably I thought that I probably should have. Um, you know, I went down to the Giants camp this past year, and I was I, they turned me into a receiver when I have no experience with that. I didn't have any Div- Division One offers. I went JUCO. There's a lot of examples in my in my football career mm-hmm. that could, you could point to that. What I, the way that I look at it is that I, I've continually shown uh, you know i've got a couple of people to believe in me uh people at ohio people um at, with the, within the lions organization to my knowledge for the most part um that believe in me and uh they've given me opportunities to show what i can do and 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 that's all i can really ask for at this point on um, the rest is out of my control so 
uh, I, I'm I'm more than willing to try to take advantage of of what the, the opportunity has been given to me and, and prove some people wrong if that's the case. You you went from a bit of a you went from a mild mannered guy there to a little bit of a spark that that quarterback uh, fiery mentality is what I'm picking up on. Is Nathan Rourke coming to camp with something to prove with a chip on his shoulder? I, hey, you tried to turn me into a receiver down south. I didn't get a chance to compete in my position. I'm going to go to a pro camp and I'm going to show everybody that I'm a quarterback and I'm a damn good quarterback. Well, I mean, it was it was an, that 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 uh, whole situation was just interesting because I. I I it definitely gave gave me a whole bunch of fuel that I felt like I didn't need need you know what I mean like so yeah. um, you know I, I think the main thing that I'm focusing on is the fact that there's football back and I get to be uh, I get to be professional and I get to you know do something that I love for a living which is awesome and finally get to do it uh, within a team environment uh, but that's going to be in the back of my mind uh, uh, for sure um, so I'm looking forward to just kind of getting on the field and playing some ball. Man, that's awesome. And lastly, uh, Nathan Rourke, uh, you're going to be behind a guy, Mike Riley, that's been unbelievable in this year, mm-hmm. uh, in this league, a great cup champion, uh, has had his problems in BC the last little bit with the offensive line, but the, uh, the team's made some uh, moves to retool the offensive line. Just, just talk about going to camp and soaking things up like a sponge from Mike Riley. Cause you know, if you want to be good, you should learn from the best. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. It's been fun watching him on film. Obviously I haven't seen him throw, or, or, or you know, lead or do any of the things in person um, that I really want to. I'm looking forward to seeing. But you know, on film, he he's he's fun to watch because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he he's very he's very efficient. Uh, obviously, he's just going into an offense that he's very comfortable in, and so uh, I expect him to be able to go in and, and execute at a very high level. Um, you know, even with the you know some of the issues last year. Um, you know the fact that he was able to be so stoic in the pocket and 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 be able to execute still um under under some duress that uh, that was that was pretty impressive to, to see and and it's a lot harder than, than i think it looks and so uh i think there's a lot of things that are going to be i'm going to be able to pick up on and i'm excited about that and um yeah it's definitely going to be a lot to learn from and and but that's that's going to be the fun of it so i'm looking forward to that a lot let me squeeze one more in here before you got to go. What what's your best attribute? Sure. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be something that people are going to necessarily see. You know, I, I love the game. I, I I've been wanting to do this for uh, since I was young, since I was a kid, um, and obviously uh, I have a bit of a chip on, chip on my shoulder. So, um, but I love the game. You'll, um, I'm going to be a guy who's going to be they're going to be you know um, kicking out of the out of the facilities late because I'm still there. I'm going to be there early uh, and. Uh, you know, learning and, and watching film and, and, and doing all the little things to make sure that I'm still on the field and that I'm healthy. Um, because to, to some people that can be tedious, some people, to, to some people that can be a chore. Uh, but for me, it, I just love what I'm doing. I love the process. And um, last year, that's really shown me what it takes. I've kind of had a little bit of an early sneak peek of what it takes to be a pro. And um, I've really, really enjoyed it. So um, at every, at every level, that's what I, I've, I think that I've, I've shown. That I don't think I've ever been the most talented guy, but I've always wanted it more than anybody. So that, that's what I'm bringing. That's the attitude that I'm bringing to camp, and, and I'm really looking forward to being able to to play and 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 uh, hopefully hopefully get on the field soon. Man, I can't wait for you to get on the field. I hope it turns out in your favor. I've, I've been a, a, a nationalist for a long time, cheering on Canadians. It'd be great to have a Canadian superstar at quarterback. And you sound like uh, you're on the right path. Just hope you get the breaks. Thanks for this. Uh, I really appreciate it, Nathan. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thank you.
imagine a world where you have the same name as a smart speaker. A mother ended up changing her teenage daughter's name after relentless bullying at school for having the name Alexa. Plus, you can imagine what it was like at home for the mom. Alexa, sweetie, time to get ready to go. Traffic to ready fit go healthy food looks good. The fastest route takes about 28 minutes. No, I'm talking to my daughter, Alexa, not you, Alexa. Sorry, I couldn't understand, but I may have a few recommendations. I don't need recommendations. It's time to go and I need my daughter, Alexa, to wake up. Did you mean play the song Wake Up? Here's Wake Up Alone by Amy Winehouse. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm changing my daughter's name to Crystal. Do you mean crystal meth? Methamphetamine is a strong stimulant that is highly addictive and toxic to neurons in the brain. Unplugging you now. This message is brought to you by Don't Name Your Daughter Alexa or Siri. This is Lions Legends, a trip down memory lane with a player, coach, or builder that left their mark on BC Lions history. Second and 10 from the 16. Darius into the end zone. And what a catch! Jason Claremont! Jason Claremont And we begin the second half of Restore the Roar by talking with the former fourth overall pick in the 2002 CFL draft slot back Jason Claremont. How are you today, JC? Great, Ballsy. How are you? Doing well. So you played all your football in your hometown of Regina. What was it like to move away from home? And what was the biggest challenge that you remember doing that? Um, I didn't consider any of it as a challenge. Honestly, it was just a blessing and just a great opportunity. Um, Part of it was just getting out of this city, you know, where I played all of my football and going somewhere where, you know, the coaching staff didn't really know me and I had to prove myself. And so, you know, I knew that that was on my shoulders. I couldn't try to carry a reputation with me and just had to, you know, earn my stripes. Yeah, but I'm talking even the culture shock of going from little old Regina where you grew up, played all your football, and then you, you go to the big thriving metropolis of Vancouver. What was that like? And then you're a rookie and you're trying to learn a playbook and learn a different city and everything like that. No, it was awesome. I mean, I'm a smart guy, so the playbook was, was no issue. It was mainly just adjusting to the speed of the game, but, like, Vancouver's beautiful, and, you know, so much stuff to do, able to train in the off-season out there, you know, without having to find an indoor facility. Rain didn't bother me. The people there were awesome, and the fans were great. So you, you mentioned blessing, and I had that jotted down. I was going to ask you, did you feel like it was a blessing to move away from home in the sense that, you know, you played your whole career here, and I feel like local kids – get jerked around by their local teams, whether it's here in Regina or, you know, Winnipeg or whatever, if you're a Manitoba kid. Yeah, we'll keep you around. We might call you back if we need you. Is there a lot of that in the CFL? Was it good for you to get away like that? It was, and you know what? I've got a 12-year-old son who is going through, you know, his minor sports right now on, you know, spring hockey teams and those types of things. And I tell him now, you know, go where you're wanted. Go where people have come out and said that they want you on their team. Mm-hmm. Play there because it'll be a lot of fun. You'll you'll get your opportunity. You'll earn it. It won't be a you know there won't be in the back of people's minds that you know you're on this team because your dad's the coach or you're on this team because you know you're from Regina or whatever it is. Just go where somebody wants you mm-hmm. and just enjoy the opportunity. And I was able to do that. That's good advice. So, what was your welcome to the CFL moment? I guess another way to phrase that first memory of the CFL. What was it? Do you have one? A vivid one? Um, well, lots of memories. Like, I was late for our first game uh, in the preseason because I, <laughs> I was trying to drive my little Honda Civic. I had two other rookies with me, Craig Stutzman and, and John Williams, who 
played for he finished off his career with Hamilton Tiger Cats. But uh, three rookies driving in my Honda Civic, and I didn't realize how thick traffic was going to be trying to get to downtown Vancouver. And it took me like an hour and a half to get there, and I budgeted 45 minutes. So we were just we missed the pregame, jumped in for the you know for the preseason game. But my welcome to the CFL moment would have been um, having to block Mike Sellers. Uh, he played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, and he was just—he was like a ran like a four-six, two hundred and forty pounds, just an absolute monster. And I had to block him on kickoff return in the like the opening play of the game. And I just told myself, you, you know, you got—you can't be this guy's punk. You got to—you got to bear down. You got to give him something to respect. You got to give him a good hit here so that he doesn't, you know, toy with you all game. And I braced myself, went in, just was going to line up Mike Sellers and just give him a, like a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And the back of my helmet hit the turf so fast. And you just watch on film, and he just buckled right through me. <laughs> that was that was my welcome to the CFL moment. <laughs> Hard to believe big Jason Claremont got worked like that. Um, who took you under their uh, wing to sh- kind of show you the ropes when you got to BC? Yeah, it was kind of crazy, actually, because... Um, Zeroy was there at the time, and there was a veteran by the name of Alfred Jackson. Yeah. And Ak Jack was, I actually ended up taking Ak Jack's position uh, at Slotback. Uh, when Adam Rita came in, and, uh, you know, we were one in five, I moved from playing a little bit of spot duty at tight end to being the starting Slotback. And Ak Jack moved out to the wide receiver position. He, we wanted um, a little bit more speed at that outside wide receiver position. And, you know, initially, Ak-Jack was had a bit of a cold shoulder on the whole situation and wasn't really receptive to me. I think he put up, like, 280 yards that first game he played wideout. <laughs> and and then he was cool after that. I think he had 280 yards and, like, three or four touchdowns. He played mad. That's good. I like that. He did, yeah. I like that. Hey, which award meant more to you? Rookie of the Year, top Canadian, or the most outstanding Canadian in a Grey Cup? Uh, honestly, and this is going to sound like unappreciative, but really none of those. It was uh, hoisting that Grey Cup in Winnipeg uh, mm-hmm. as a team, you know, because that's something you set out to do that you have full control over uh, as a team. Uh, you don't have control over whether, you know, the football reporters of Canada are going to vote you in uh, for an award or not. So I've always been very thankful and grateful that I had those opportunities and, and won, you know, league awards four or five times or whatever it was. But hoisting that Grey Cup in Winnipeg in a game where I actually finished the game for the Grey Cup without a single catch. That's one of the most memorable games I've ever played in and one of the best moments as as an athlete I've ever had. Okay, so let's go with that line of questioning. What do you remember most about that 2006 team? We were so resilient. Like, I had had a really rough year. I uh, tore my knee early in the the season and ended up uh, having to rehab for most of the year. Came back, you know, kind of late in the year. I feel like maybe the, the last regular season game and then played the playoff games and really beat myself up in the, uh, we played Saskatchewan, I think in Saskatchewan. And uh, I kind of, you know, wore myself out in, in that game. And uh, then the Winnipeg game, the game in Winnipeg against, against Montreal was just so cold. I remember that. Yeah. Was that the coldest game you've played in? No, I think, um, I feel like the Western final in Calgary it was 2009-2010 with the Riders. That was one of the coldest games I played. Yeah. So, uh, and then aside from that, aside from that, would have been a high school game with the Robert Usher <laughs> you know, unicorns yeah. in it. Yeah, it was the city final. There you go. Back when you played quarterback, right? Quarterback, kick returner, and middle linebacker. Everything. That's great. Who knew he'd go on yeah. to get smoked by Mike Sellers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so I, I've asked other guys this. What sticks with you uh, longer, uh, the 
the the joy of the victory, the 2006 Grey Cup, or for instance, losing the 2004 to Damon Allen when you were uh, named the outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup, or even that terrible 2009 one when you were with your uh, hometown Riders and lost in the 13th Man game. W- which ones stay with you longer, the wins or the losses? I try to move on from both fairly quickly, to be honest. But if you're, you know, just sitting here and talking about these, it's that 9 one that still kind of just gets you in the back of the teeth a little bit. Um, that one, that one stung a lot, and, and that was a really, really tough loss for that whole room. Yeah, uh, it, that kind of went like that was weird, hey Jason, because it went from uh, a wedding type of feel celebration to a funeral in about five seconds. Absolutely, like it was just catastrophic in a matter of ten seconds. It's like it's like I won the lottery. Oh wait, we checked the numbers wrong. We didn't win the lottery. That's yeah, that's terrible. Uh, right, but you know what? I've I've always been of the mindset that you can't pin a win or a loss on a single play. Like we had so many opportunities prior to that. I feel like we were up seventeen yeah. points going into that fourth quarter, and, and there was just you know, it just unfortunately, it just always seems to go back to that play because that was the last play of the game. But there were so many other opportunities, and we got to give Montreal credit for coming mm-hmm. back. I felt like you guys let one get away in the 2004 Grey Cup. I thought you were the better team there against Damon <laughs> Allen and the Argonauts there in Ottawa. Uh, when you're in your first Grey Cup game, does the clock seem like it's on in overdrive, like it just goes fast, especially when you're not winning? Um. Yeah, I mean, no, that, that game, we felt like we were in that game the entire time. Yeah. And, uh, you know that was that was just a situation that I feel like um, on special teams we just kind of got scared. We we were a really strong special teams team uh, as far as coverage was concerned all year long, and we, we our motto was we'll, we'll kick to anybody. That, you know, and then we just decided we weren't going to kick to Bashir Levingston, and it, it kind of just rattled us, and, and we gave up field position most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, I think in that game we were going to set a, and we might have set a, a, a great cup record for rushing yards with Antonio Warren, uh, and they couldn't stop the run. And for whatever reason, I guess we just got bored of the run and, and moved <laughs> off to the pass. And uh, I, like they didn't, they never did stop it. So there, there were a lot of things in that game that could have gone one way or the other. And it was just it was a young team with, with kind of you know a newer coaching staff. And and I mean I think we learned from that two years later in one and oh six. Yeah, for sure. Okay, in 2010 in overtime, you scored a big touchdown for the Riders against the Lions in the semifinal. How gratifying was that? That was awesome. That was, you know, just my teammates were just all over me after that. And, you know, I just, it just felt great to contribute to the team the way that I knew that I could and, uh, you know, move on. Unfortunately, we, we lost in that great cup as well, but that was just a great moment for myself and my family. Now, do you ever go back on YouTube or ESPN classics and watch some of your old games? You said you like to move on, but come on, you don't go back and kind of look at some stuff. Don't show your kids, uh, some of dad's old clips. No. And you know what? I've, I've got a bunch of, DVDs. You know what? When when I started, we we watched film on on VHS. Like they would send VHS tapes home with us, and then it was DVDs. And now the the guys get to use it on iPads. But um, I've got a bunch of DVDs that I've just intended on going through and putting together a bit of a highlight tape. Mm-hmm. But I just you know I just I just won't. It's just I don't I don't even watch my I've I have never watched the Vanier Cup game. Why? Um, I, well, actually, I think I I watched it the first time was. A couple months ago, we did like a watch party. Yeah, I was with you uh, watching that on online. Yeah, yeah with the Rams. And, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't watched that. I haven't watched the '04 Grey Cup. I don't know. I just, I just don't go back and watch those. A lot of guys don't though. Once they're done with the game, they're done with the game. They don't even like to, to watch it anymore. Why? Why is that? Like, what? What is that mentality all about? It's not just you. It's I, other guys too. I don't know. I th- you know what? You know how much film we watch in the course of a season though, like getting ready for games and stuff. That's just like you were there and. And, you know, all that said, we for sure 
were, you know, we would for sure tune in to TSN and try to catch ourselves as with highlights. But to go back and watch an entire game, no, it's just, you know, that just seems like work. Not happening. Okay, uh, just uh, on the vein of uh, looking back, do you have any cool pieces of memorabilia in your possession? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know what you could define as cool. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have the Grey Cup jerseys you wore? Do you have your first touchdown catch? Do you have any of that type of stuff? Oh yeah, I've got the ball from my 500th catch. So that was one of my goals as a as a rookie was I wanted to be in the league long enough to catch 500 balls, and I caught that with Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my Grey Cup catch from '04, mm-hmm. and I've got a, my jersey from 2006 when we won. Yeah, those are pretty cool piece of memorabilia, man. Uh, how do you want Lion fans to remember Jason Claremont? Uh, they don't need to if they don't want to. I mean, I feel like uh, they were great to me. I remember them, and that's really all that matters. That's a good way to put it. And lastly, we know you're highly successful in the real estate game back here in Regina. What could you take from the football field and everything you learned uh, into your line of profession right now? Everything, man. You, you know that. You've been a part of a football team. You know that you're only as strong as your weakest link. you you got to band together. Uh, there's so many cliches that you could you you could use, but like legitimately, you, it's tough for it's it's so tough for an athlete to talk about it because it sounds so cliched. But if you've experienced it, then you just know what what that you know those challenges present you and and you know overcoming adversity and all those types of things and and it's just it's priceless. Okay, lastly, besides your teammates, because everybody says that you probably have never been able to replicate like you can sell two or three homes and it's a great day you made a lot of money that day but you don't have 35,000 fans either hollering at you negatively when you come on the road to say Regina and you're a member of the BC Lions or at BC Place they're cheering for you um is that the one thing maybe you miss is the replication of like you never you can't even feel that anymore in regular society this is going to sound crazy but like the one thing I truly miss and I still like have dreams about it like I'll wake up in a cold sweat like having dreams about it is I miss doing pass skeleton. Like I, I used to just love pass skeleton so much that even when I was a starting player, I would go run scout team pass skeleton. I'd, I'd grab the bib for whoever the star player was on the other team and just run past like pass skelly scout team. I just loved it. It was just so much fun. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to end this man. That's an obscure note, but I love it. Hey Jason, thanks for this man. Thanks. Well, have you heard about the Catholic priest who says exorcisms are on the rise due to demons haunting people by texting them? Well, you know, this podcast has you covered. We got these people to read their texts they sent to the demons because, let's face it, who can't resist the temptation to text back the devil? (laughs) We've disguised their voices to protect their demonic privacy. Seriously, dude, I was only kidding when I said I'd sell my soul for another cheeseburger. The horns didn't really bother me, but when he became a snake and tried to make me eat this weird apple, a girl's gotta have some self-respect. It was so creepy. I told him to go to hell, and he said he lived there already. Tried to show me some pictures from something called Google Underworld. He got so mad when we started joking around shouting, Hail Satin! Um, I had a brief conversation with Charles Manson and Ted Bundy, but then it was time to leave. Not cool, bro. When you asked if I wanted to try the devil's lettuce, you didn't tell me what I'd have to smoke it out of. You were amazing last night. Didn't mean to surprise you with my extra prong. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. 
Time now for Homegrown, a segment featuring an amateur athlete, coach, or builder helping grow the game of football in BC. And just before we officially start the fourth quarter here of Restore the Roar, some big news broke as I was recording this installment. The XFL-CFL talks are officially done. Wow, what a shocker. Americans have already voted with their wallets. They only want high school, college, and the NFL. They don't want another four-down league. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the CFL American expansion didn't exactly go that well in the early 90s. Sure, it gave us some short-term money, but I think in some ways set us back a number of years. Let's focus on promoting our three-down game that has stood the test of time. We've got something nobody else has. Let's package it. Let's market it. Let's promote it like our up-and-coming Canadian athletes. The Growing the Game with Ballsy podcast is something I started four years ago with the goal of promoting amateur players in the province of Saskatchewan. But then I realized, why not extend that promotion nationwide? So with that in mind, on Restore the Roar, let's put an amateur football player in BC in the spotlight in our homegrown segment here. This is Theo Benedet of the UBC Thunderbirds. I see over your left shoulder uh, the Italian flag. So uh, a proud Italian, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my... uh family on my mom's side from Italy and so uh always been connected with my Italian heritage do you like uh the beautiful game the other football soccer I do yeah yeah I I watch both footballs yeah awesome uh which one do you prefer oh still uh Canadian football (laughs) Uh, on your dad's side what is the heritage uh yeah mostly Ukrainian okay yeah are they into soccer uh no not so much not so much (laughs) Do you have a big family on your mom's side? Like big, loud, uh, bombastic <laughs> Italians? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say so. Not for the most part. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite Italian dish? Um, probably pretty, pretty, uh, not too creative, but pizza. Pizza? Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite pizza? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. I got to be yeah. pepperoni. Are you, uh, are you good in the kitchen field? Uh, I'd like to think so. I think, uh, my mom, my mom thinks I can improve, but I'd like to think so. Okay. So you, uh, have uh, me over for dinner, which you never do. So don't worry about it. Don't get all scared, COVID and everything, but you have me over for dinner. What are you making me? What's the, what's the go-to um, meal? And don't well, say, I, a la- don't say a lame pepperoni pizza. <laughs> give me, give me something good. Make me want to come uh, back. Definitely some type of pasta, uh, mm-hmm. with some kind of meat sauce. And then if I wanted to do really uh my family's from northern italy and the sort of traditional dish around there is polenta mm-hmm. which is sort of a kind of warm warm cornmeal so i'd make you some variation of that too you know i went to italy with my grandma back in 1992 way before you were born oh yeah and uh and it's kind of like a religious trip or whatever and uh so we sit down and we get we get the, the bread and then we get yeah. a heaping bowl of spaghetti yeah. And I get up to leave and the lady's like, no, 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 no. She puts her fingers up like three more. There were three yeah. more rounds of food. I'm like, are you crazy? That's crazy. No wonder you're six foot, whatever you yeah. are, 295 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we do it. How big are you? Uh, yeah, six foot seven and 290 pounds. So is that is that kind of the weight you want to play at? Or I know a lot of offensive linemen they, they tip the Toledo's around three hundred. Yeah, yeah. So when I first when I first got to UBC, I was a little undersized, uh, probably around two fifty. So so mm-hmm. that was one of my goals, and 
since the last time we played uh, up until next season was to put on some weight. I'm probably looking to put on about another 10, 15 pounds before, before we kick off. Uh, so you, just wrapped up, you just wrapped up your second season, Theo. Yeah. Uh, kind of been a downer for you, just like everybody on this list. Uh, everything's in limbo. How have you yeah. dealt with that? How tough has it been on you? Um, not having football has been, it's been hard. It's, it was always nice, like with school and everything. It's something to look forward to at the end of the day, going out there, be able to practice, be with the guys and all that. So that's been difficult, not being able to compete. Um, uh, so yeah, it's been hard. I miss hitting people. Uh, I try to, to find whatever positives there may be. It's given me a chance to really catch up physically and develop physically for my second year of eligibility, which I think uh, in the long run may be, may be a big bonus, but still difficult to be away from the game like that. Yeah, for sure. Have you picked up any hobbies or done anything? I know some guys I've talked to, they, they picked up golf, a guitar, a harmonica. They've read books. What have you done? Uh, yeah, a lot of reading. I, uh, I've been helping uh, my family a lot in their, like with the garden and the yard and sort of doing a lot of work revamping that. And then uh, once we got into school, it's just been a lot. Of, I've been very focused on that, so. Are you a handyman? Are you a handyman? Do you like? Oh, uh, I think I'm a I'm a big man, so I can I can help move the heavy stuff. I love it. Have you always been big? Have you always been the biggest guy? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was always one of the biggest in my class, pretty much all through school. Grade nine, I had a big growth spread. I grew four or five inches in grade nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my dad my dad's six six, and my mom's five ten. So I think I was always going to be tall. So was that tough as a guy uh, trying to figure out your body as it's kind of getting away on you a bit? Yeah, well, definitely like coming in, even coming into UBC, like I've, I was very lanky and stuff. And mm-hmm. and sometimes growing, you get you get growing pains and yeah, and uh, it takes a while to sort of get used to the new height and then the new weight. So there's been challenges associated, but I also know I'm like I've got it's a gift to have this kind of size and still be athletic enough to to play football. So <laughs> I'm trying to use it. You can coach size for sure. But when you're yeah. big, it's mobility now. It's not just being big. You got to be mobile. How are those feet? Is that something you're constantly working on? Of course. Yeah, that's major point of focus, especially with Coach Nil here at UBC. Mobility is super important for him. I think uh, it's something I like to think that, I, that I'm that i good at, and that's one of my, my strengths is, is my athleticism uh, at the position. And I think it allows me to to make a lot of blocks that some guys may not be able to. You know, uh, Theo, you talked about like in the hammer people, hit people, but you yeah. seem like such a nice dude. Is there a is there is there a switch that goes off? Like, do you flip a switch? How does a, there how, does a be, game, yeah. how does a game day work for you? What does it look like for you? Yeah, yeah, there has to be. You show up once you get your pads on. It's just a different world. You lock in. Mm-hmm. Uh, some music. Music always helps me sort of get in the zone. What do you listen to? What do you listen um, to? Before the game, a lot of like. Um, Rock, Led Zeppelin, mm. uh, Sheep Dogs for some Canadian content. Yeah, a good Saskatchewan yeah. band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, are you uh, generally? Because um, young people, my son, because I'm a I'm a rock and roll DJ, part of yeah. my job. So my son kind of grew up with it. Yeah. Who was a influence in you for your musical taste? Because a lot of young guys, I put on rock music like that. They're like, shut that crap off. Like that's cool <laughs> that you're. So who's been kind of uh, your uh, musical uh, to get you um, into that kind of music? Rock's always been on around my house. I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. My dad, 
my dad is big into sort of music of the world. Like listen to a lot of African music and stuff like that. So at home, I actually listen to a lot of that. My uncle, my uncle really introduced me to, to serious rock. So from him, he's been a big influence sort of in getting interested in that type of music. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mostly those two. When we get back on the field here, let's just uh, be positive that we're going to get back on the field. What's your personal goal this year? Deal. Um, uh, well, I'd like to first and foremost, put the team first. So the goal is the Vanier. Personally, I'd like to, to be a, a Can West all-star and then uh, hopefully an All-Canadian. That would be my goals for the year. Do you have aspirations to play professional football? Yes, absolutely. Are you a fan of the CFL? Uh, of course. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you said that, but a lot of guys I talk to, they're like, well, yeah, I watch the NFL. I, I like all types of football, but yeah. do, you, do you pay attention to the CFL? Yeah, yeah, both leagues, both leagues, yeah. Who do you kind of look up to when you're watching? Like, who do you kind of follow? Uh, I've always been a, a, a bit – Chris Van Ziel from Hamilton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if I'm looking at tackles, probably him. Also, he's not playing anymore, but our, our coach, Kirby Fabian, mm-hmm. uh, when he was in the league, uh, yeah. I was always a fan of him, and now especially now that he coaches with us. Yeah. So those are two guys who I think uh, I've looked up to in the CFL. Who's had the biggest influence on you in your football career, or who does now? Early on, my two, I had two uncles, one who played at Western and then one who was just a, a football fan. They sort of got me interested in the game. And then in high school, when I started playing, I really didn't know too much about how to play. So my high school coach, uh, Richard White, was a huge, huge help with me. And he sort of, like when I first started playing in high school, it was just for fun. Like I didn't, I just did it because I liked playing football. And he sort of let me know about opportunities past high school and, and my potential and where I could go. So early on, those two. And then since I've been here, Coach Nell has, has been huge in, in sort of guiding me and helping me reach that potential. And it's time now for the extra point on this, the third installment of Restore the Roar. One guy who grew up a BC Lions fan is Freddie Wanick, great Canadian actor who plays Hank on Corner Gas, the live version, and the animated version. While the animated version is into its fourth and final season, they just kicked off the last season with their first episode, July the 5th. When it's all said and done, it will bring to a close an iconic Canadian comedy that was around for 17 years. Fred slash Hank talks about his love of the show and his love of the Lions and CFL football here in our extra point. I think you're underappreciated. No, 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 no. Hear me out. I know that you think, oh, Ballsy just cut me down again. No, serious. Because it's not easy to play a dumb guy. Like you play kind of like a dopey dumb guy on on Corner Gas, but that show would not be the same without you. I know it takes the whole cast to make it go, but it's not easy playing a guy that's dopey. Well, I don't know what to say, Baldy, because that's not how I saw it at all. I, I was—I thought he was quite a smart character, and I—I I don't know. Like, I, I might have to go reevaluate my, my performances. <laughs> it's—I uh, mean, I, I think the thing about about Hank and and the way I approached him anyway was, yeah, he's he's a he's a pretty simple guy, let's say, but uh, he's honest, right? Like, you know, there's no there's no there's nothing. He's not hiding anything. He is—you he, get what you see with that guy and. Um, I like the honesty of him. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I guess I kind of have an affection towards the character because that's kind of like me. Simple at yeah. times. Well, it's, I'm not too far off. That's the thing is like there's a lot of me in Hank, which uh, that's right. you know, it didn't, maybe that's why I'm like, oh, God, he, I, I don't know, Baldy, he wasn't that hard to play. Maybe I'm. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> me too. Like I'm a simple guy. I, I, I'm simple with technology. I, I blurt things out that don't come out the way I meant. That's kind of Hank. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is Hank. And it's, yeah, that's me too. But you know, it's kind of why I I got to really watch myself on the social media because um, yeah, sometimes I try to say one thing, but it, it'll probably come out the other way and get myself in a world of heat. Yeah, I usually ask about three people and then say it in a room out loud to myself alone before I hit tweet or send or whatever, just to see how it sounds actually before I just <laughs> rattle off and do it. Okay, so this is the last year of uh, the animated version of Corner Gas. I've asked you. Uh, this off the air and in other uh, uh, venues. Is it easier to play Hank live or animated? Oh, it's, I, oh that's, I don't know, because it'd be a different... I mean, it's easier to do the animated in the sense that the, the hours are, like, dramatically less. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's easier. It's kind of... They both have their own challenges, Uh the thing with the animated one is is only be able to use your voice and really relying on the animators to to fill in the rest of the performance, right? Like a uh, live action, I'm kind of responsible for the entire performance myself. And with the animated stuff, I'm really only doing half the performance, and then the other half is uh, uh, performed by the animators in in the uh, animation studio. Um, so it's more collaborative, I suppose, than than the live yeah. action. You watch an animated episode and go, boy, they did a pretty good job of that. Holy cow, we pulled that off. And you could do a lot more as animated Hank, right? Yeah, I do. Actually, I, I it's 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 easier to watch the animated version because uh, I feel like I'm not as responsible for the performance. Like when I <laughs> when I watch the, when I watch the live one, I'm like, oh god, what are you doing? That's terrible. And then when I watch the half one, I'm like, oh, freaking animators! How did they get that wrong? You yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is it's just not true. I think they do a great job. I think they did a pretty good job with all the characters, like kind of picking up on little nuances from the live action, but also adding stuff, which which uh, I think has been good so far. Yeah, so you got a, a few guest celebrities joining you here for this uh, for this last go-around. And, you know, people, Rick Mercer's going to be one of them. I, yeah. I think Stephen Page is going to be on here from the Bare Naked Ladies. Mark- Lots of different guys on here. Yeah, Mark McKinney, too. Mark McKinney was in the first season ever. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to... Uh, He's 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 kind of lend his voice to come back for the last season. I think that's pretty cool. I'm a big Kids in the Hall fan, so yeah, me too. That was a. The, 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 we, I mean, we had Bruce McDonald. I, I, oh, I'm getting that mixed up. I think Mark McKinney was second season. Bruce McDonald was uh, the first season. He played the tax man. Uh, that was a big. Oh, maybe yeah. I'm getting that backed up. See, Baldy, it's a- <laughs> okay, Hank. <laughs> You're not far off that character. That's right. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm not really. Like the, the. If you ever see me play a smart character, you know that was the most challenging performance of my career. Uh, okay okay good way to set me straight and you actually did it with exhibit a right there hey before before i let you go here uh let's talk a little bit about the cfl because i know you're a big cfl fan when you were here in saskatchewan you're kind of a quiet a closet rider fan but you're a a bc lions guy just how excited are you that we are going to see some cfl football this summer i mean yeah like there is real fear eh, that if if this if if we didn't get things going that you know we we were kind of like, are we losing the CFL here? And all that talk about joining the XFL and stuff was kind of like, oh gosh, this could really happen. We could we could lose this league, which would be a shame. I love the Lions, and I, I it's kind of reminded me of the first uh, first game I went to at um, 
uh, out there in Saskatchewan was the Lions and, and Riders. And uh, I was just dressed plain, and I inadvertently, I was sitting in the college section yeah. at the old stadium, and I inadvertently, uh, uh, I believe it was Dickinson, threw a touchdown pass, and I, I jumped out of my seat, and like, oh boy, the rest of the game was a challenge. <laughs> You're not a celebrity. I literally, had, I literally, thankfully, they emptied their beer cups, but I literally had beer cups tossed at me the entire game, uh, and nobody gave a crap that I was from Corner Gas. So, um, but it's great that they're getting back. I'm excited to see some games, and uh, yeah, we'll see what's going. On. I mean, the, the Lions still have some work to do. I mean, yeah. Um, how do we make it? How do we make it so it's half decently popular again? I don't think we'll ever have it to fifty-five thousand back in the early '80s when BC Place opened up. But it sure would be nice, Fred, to get back to thirty thousand something fans back. You know, two thousand and eleven when they won that home Grey Cup, it, which was fantastic. My dad and I were there for that, which was amazing. But yeah, the, the, having the stadium packed up, it was incredible because we'd been going to games and they might have been getting like twenty, yeah. which is a, you know a decent size for a CFL game. But in that building, just looks horrible. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Local owner ownership would help, I think. And then uh, if they, I know they just put all that money a few years back into that stadium. But when they were at that temporary stadium, uh, at the old Empire yeah, Field, yeah. it was it was um, it was fantastic, and I, the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, you only had I think twenty five in there. That's what but you it was need. Filled, it, it, it was filled every night, and they had those temporary. Uh, uh, Bleachers. Uh, bleachers. Yeah. So people were, the, it was noisy in there. Uh, I think the Lions would benefit from something like that. And I, I know, I know the thing is like having your team down in the downtown core, but I, I really think the Lions would do well to be either back in East Van or maybe in the Valley, uh, maybe Surrey, one of the suburbs, I think might benefit them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm talking out of my butt. No, but you're, don't, a BC, don't have you're a BC guy and you're a Lion guy. So I appreciate getting input from everybody. This has been Restore the Roar podcast. If you have a story idea you'd like the guys to pursue, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com.